Hi, this is May Said Ali, and I'm the host of the G42 On Air podcast series. We are excited to be recording the G42 On Air from Obadala Studio. G42 is a technology company, a global leader in AI and cloud computing, with the purpose of inventing a better every day. Each episode in this series will transport you into insightful, market-leading conversations about transformative technology to drive positive progress across industries and societies, all in less than 30 minutes. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting Andrew Jackson, EVP, Chief Artificial Intelligence Officer, Core 42, with a background in technology and a track record of success at companies like Palantir, European Union Research Center, and Cisco HANA. Andrew is a leading expert in the global growth strategies and innovative solutions through analytics, data science, and AI. In this episode, we'll explore the impact of generative AI and how it's shaping our present and our future. We will discuss its applications, challenges, opportunities, and future advancements across industries. Andrew, it's great having you in G42 on Air podcast in Mubadala Studios. Thank you so much. I know you have an extremely busy schedule, but we have quite exciting topics to talk about. At starting with, please give us an introduction about yourself, about an overview on your background. Sure. My name is Dr. Andrew Jackson. As a lot of people call me Andy. I've been working with G42 for a number of years uh, across different roles. Before that, I worked for a company called Palantir um, and another company called Syscanner. They're big um, AI and data companies. And previous to that, I worked in academia. So I was a researcher. Um, I did a PhD in, in machine learning and worked for the European Union as a researcher across uh, many different projects. Okay, so now I'm just thinking, first of all, you look very young for the amount of experience that you have. And second, do I call you Dr. Andy, Dr. Andrew, or Andy? Just what Andy. <laughs> just Andy. All right, great. So Andy, um, this is the exciting news. There's a new entity, yep. which is Core42, and we would love to know more about it. Sure. Um, Core 42 is, you know, as it says in the name, is, is kind of uh, the core of what Group 42 is all about, which is cloud and artificial intelligence. Mm. It is a, a combination of different entities coming together to create a new um, entity that really is focused on, you know, delivering more for customers. Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of driving the cloud for new customers and existing customers and AI and generative AI as it emerges. So that's a, a combination combination of Indusat, uh, Inception, and Group 42 Cloud. So this is exciting times. We are launching a new entity, which is Core 42. Tell us more about it. Core 42 is a AI and cloud company. As the name suggests, it's the core of G42. It is an amalgamation of Indusat, Inception, and G42 Cloud. And we hope that this will be a new offering to the, to the customer base here locally in UAE, but also internationally. We have great plans to grow this business and focus on cloud and generative AI um, and really be, bring something new to the market that hopefully, you know, with along with our, our sister companies, um, will really support a new wave of growth. Okay, so I get that Core 42 is in Jazat, uh, G42 Cloud, and Inception. They were already part of G42. Yes. So what made decisions strategically to club them together? I think, number one, 
um, they were all we were all working together really nicely. Mm. Um, so I think that was a great starting point. But I think to really start moving faster, this is a, a world of speed that we're in. Um, to take that and move faster, we needed to kind of come together more holistically. Um, number one, number two, I think that we have opportunities if we work more closely together to take on a lot more and start kind of doing more, especially in the AI space and the cloud space. So Andrew, we hear so much about generative AI and there's so many definitions on YouTube and Google, people talking about it, but I'd like to hear from you. What is generative AI and what role does Core 42 play in developing it? Well, I think that's a phenomenal question. Um, I think a lot of people are asking the same question. So generative AI is, I guess, relatively new for many people, but it's been around for a long time. It's training and generating new content from you know, training on top of existing content. So that's something simple like generating a new poem or generating a new recipe um, from a query. So I think that's a, a very easy to understand um, perspective on generative AI. Core 42 is really doubling down on generative AI and wants to be a driver of generative AI for you know, UAE and also internationally. So I think that's the real I guess, sweet spot for Core 42. You know, just before um, I came to, to, to our podcast, last night I was looking at the different uh, possibilities of generative AI, and some of it is like, um, I could actually train a model to look like me, talk like me, use my voice, mm. and that's amazing in so many ways, yep. where I can have be in the spa while the other you know model of me working yeah but there's also risks so there's there's so many challenges i would believe in generative ai um associated with uh, with this society so can you share with us some of the main challenges that we could could have absolutely i mean we are doing projects to do exactly what you just uh, just explained to me right we're doing projects around this area where we render new people um historical characters um, especially uh, that have um, some interesting significance. This is an ethical challenge because mm. you know consent is a big part of this. So making sure that you know you can't steal somebody's identity and recreate them. You know, I think. But uh, that's going to happen. I mean, the reality is going to happen, and it's, this is very scary. It's happening. It's already happened. Yeah. So the the real question is how we, as a society, uh, protect you know, everybody from this, while also get reaping the benefits that this has. Mm. This has amazing power. Can you imagine if you can capture somebody, um, maybe someone who's passed away, that you can keep them alive in, you know, the same way as a, as, as a photograph, but going that step further where you can speak to them. I always think of this, um, if you remember the movie Superman, and uh, Superman kind of brings his, his, his father with him in a, in, in a crystal, and can speak to him. And I think this is the era we're, ent we're entering into. Wow. This is the science fiction part coming yeah. to life. So it's amazingly exciting, huge potential, massive opportunities for, for everybody. I think, you know, I think when we saw Twitter come out, we saw this one-to-many conversation where mm. one person could tweet and everyone in the world could like, get that tweet and understand what's happening. I think where we're going is that one-to-one -one conversation where you know, people who want to embody themselves can have a one-to-one -one with pretty much everyone in the world. So I think that's really exciting, really powerful, but I do see, you know, we have to walk through some of the, you know, the risk factors of those. And I think this is the same for many new technologies. 
True, but this one is going in a very fast pace. Like, I mean, like it's like every technology. So do you think that the, the governments and lawmakers are prepared to, to create the right regulations for such a technology that is extremely capable of making a huge difference and in a very positive way? And like you said, yeah, uh, and in a different way. And, and I mean, we can talk about the malicious attacks. We could talk about schools and education. I mean, it can go yeah. from different uh, uh, verticals and, and levels. Yeah. Uh, so can you share with us, if you have any information, how governments should uh, uh, be doing these regulations? Um, I think it's going to be by consensus. I think, A, you know, I think there's going to be some leaders in the field. We, we see OpenAI as, as a big leader, and they're obviously driving a lot of talk about regulation. We saw Sam Altman, when he visited here, speak about regulation very well. Um, and I do believe that governments will uh, take this on. I think UAE as, as a country is very safety oriented. Um, I think that's a massive um, you know, benefit of the country. And I think this is where we, as, as G42, we are contributing back to that uh, thought process about how we kind of regulate this technology uh, as now and as it emerges. And we've had various conversations already. We've had conversations uh, at a global stage as well. So we're kind of playing a, a part for hopefully representing UAE as, as, a, uh, as, as, as a player in this generative AI space. So I think we are engaging where there's an active dialogue in the space as the, to, the as the technology develops and emerges. So, but I, I do think that, you know, the governments around the world will move to, to regulate this. Maybe it won't be as quickly as we'd like to, mm. but at the same time, I think already in schools, we see, I mean, you know, my, own, my own kids go to, to school locally here, and um, there's policies already about what they can do with generative AI. Um, so, this, you know, I think on a practical basis, everyone's already reacting. I think it's excellent. I think, you know, we've talked to many different um, organizations here and they all have, or, you know, generative AI policies already in place. So I think, um, you know, on the ground, people are reacting incredibly well and very just sensibly. Um, so they're applying common, common sense to the situation. And I think as long as people continue to do that um, and really kind of self-regulate to begin with, um, and until you know more general regulations can be drawn up, I think that's just the way we're going to do, you do this. Think, do you think we should slow the technology down till the regulations are up to standards, <laughs> or it has to be in the opposite direction? Honestly, I think uh, I'd almost say that you know I think the cat's out of the bag at this stage. The generative AI is already it's already happening. There's no slowing it down. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'd love for everything to slow down, but I, I think that the reality of the situation will be. That this is only going to speed up. Um, new versions of this mo of the models are coming out all the time. Um, you know, even ourselves, we're releasing models and, and building new models as we speak. So I think that um, you know, I, I come back to the kind of more common sense approach. Uh, obviously, we're hopeful that uh, this technology will always be used in the best possible scenarios. But you know, at the same time, we're very conscious of the negative, and are working with everyone we can to make sure that, you know, this is AI for good, you mm. know? Yeah. You know, uh, talking about AI for good, you recently have launched an Arabic LLM, which is large language model called JACE. So can you tell us more about this model and what inspired you to create it? Well, I think the inspiration comes from, well, let me first explain what JACE is. JACE is a, an Arabic-centered large language model. So we're really focused on Arabic and serving the Arabic community. And really, that is inspired by the 
the need to democratize AI uh, and democratize this kind of technology and make sure it's it's used and useful by the kind of community that we serve here in the UAE and also regionally and, and globally. So we saw kind of an, an area that was underserved. There's 400 million, over 400 million Arabic speakers in the world across, you know, I think 25 countries. So it's a huge population and we want to make sure that this language is preserved, number one, and number two is, is useful and is useful in, in a day-to-day -day context with this kind of technology. So, you know, if I'm um, government, uh, schools, um, healthcare, that you can use this, kind of, this, this type of technology in your language, in your own native language. So I think this is the inspiration. I, and I also feel like there's a kind of a preservation of culture in this uh, inspiration as well. You know, technology evolves and, you know, we saw the internet come and that's become predominantly English. Mm. Um, and everyone has kind of, you know, almost forced into English as, as a language. And I think with this new wave of technology, we'd love to kind of see it a become more, more inclusive and yeah. a shift in this kind of technology. So it's um, instead of kind of, you know, being a globalized thing that we retain our local cultures and um, our local languages. And beautifully said, because actually when I ask um, uh, ChatGPT or other, you know, um, models to, to translate to Arabic, yeah. there's so many mistakes in that place. Yeah. And it makes my life much harder no. rather than easier, you know, because I have to repeat and edit. So if I use JS, I believe this will make my life way easier. Absolutely. Like, I think the, the, the Arabic is an amazing language. First of all, it's more of a family of different languages rather than language. And as a, as a non-Arabic speaker, I've learned academically about this. But also the vocabulary of Arabic is extremely large. And yeah. the, the way this technology works is kind of uh, it predicts what the next word is. But for Arabic speakers, it's so contextual but based on who you are, where you come from. Um, and you can use so many different words in different contexts. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's... How do you see, Andrew, the long-term impact on this? Do you see connecting cultures and bridging the gap between different cultures across the Arab world and the other world? And yeah. how do you see it um, impacting everyone here? Well, I think um, it's, it's going to be, as this technology emerges, I think it will bridge people together um, because you will be able to interact. You know, I think Jace will expand into different languages regionally. We've definitely had those discussions already and we're looking at that as an area to expand. So I think that we, you will be able to kind of interact across this um, language space through JS or through other models like JS as we develop further. Um, and we're obviously working with different people and different groups on this already. Mm. Um, so we definitely see this as kind of uh, a, a cultural store, right? So, we, you know, Arabic language and Arabic kind of culture and, and, and a lot of that has been stored in library books that have been on the shelf and had never made it into the internet age. And what we're trying to do is unlock that and revive that into this new generative AI stage. And that's not just text, but that's a multimodal. That's, um, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly uh, impressed with uh, Arabic calligraphy, for example, and we're, mm. we're doing a project on that right now. And I always find that just A, beautiful, and B, amazing the way that uh, people kind of really, you know, do amazing things with this, uh, this, this style of, uh, I guess, you know, art. Um, and what we're trying to do right now is kind of capture all that and bring all of that not just some part of, but all of that into the generative AI space. I already imagine the movement that's happening in the Arab world because of possibly Jace and oh, such, hope... such models. It will it will have a huge impact, hopefully, yeah, also then... in schools and educational sectors. I believe yeah. so, right? Okay, so um, while while going through researching Jace, 
I saw that Condor Galaxy supercomputer from G42 and mm. Cerebrus uh, um, is, is basically what trained Jace, right? So could you just provide us with insights on the training process of Jace? Well, it's quite technical. Not uh, as easy we, as it sounds, yeah? <laughs> it's not as easy as it sounds to go through this in detail, but yeah. we have a, when we released Jace, we also released a technical paper and a white paper to make it easy, easier for like really technical people to understand, but I'll keep it at a high level. Um, so I think the, the training process was a mixture of, of a really strong team um, that we had or have uh, with between Inception. We also collaborated with uh, MBZU AI. Mm. So we work with them very closely on this. It was an amazing team effort to get Jace built and done and out the door. We also used uh, Cerebrus, um, the supercomputer called Condor Galaxy One, uh, w w developed by G42 and Cerebrus. To, to train this model. And I think you know both of these factors were instrumental in the training. The team did an extremely strong job of coming together uh, in a very tight timeline to develop this and, and release it. Yeah. And I, I think the Condor Galaxy One supercomputer was another instrumental part because this scale of compute made us um, be able to develop JS at a much faster rate than would, would otherwise be done. So what this meant really was we could Train Jace, the latest version of Jace, uh, in 21 days, which is, is 21 pretty, days. Yeah, it was pretty quick. But th that's does that give you enough time to, to launch it? I mean, this sounds quite it extremely is. fast. And it is fast. Um, but before that, there's a whole bunch of experimentation that we need to do mm. to make sure that we do this. And it's that iterative process by which uh, any engineer works, but especially in the generative AI space where you you need to continually train and build up an understanding of the data that you're training on, understand the kind of uh, the nuances of the computer and also the fine tuning that we do. I think there's so much reading the white paper and technicalities <laughs> just to understand the full yeah. process to, to go through it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, Jace also, um, um, what I also saw that it's outperformed existing Arabic models significantly. Yes. So first of all, is this true? And yep. uh, could you just tell us a bit more about the technical differentiation that sets Jace apart from the other uh, large language models? Absolutely. Um, so yes, we do have uh, a scientific approach to measuring performance. This was done again with MBZU AI. Uh, and we have gone through a, a series of kind of scientific measures, mm. uh, which are called benchmarks. And we benchmark across different models that we select. And we, we select them based on how relevant we feel they are uh, in terms of size uh, and also obviously Arabic content, obviously. So what we do here is we, we've done this scientific measure and we've demonstrated that Jace is um, you know, superior performance to those models. Um, and that's out there. Again, that's all in the, uh, the technical paper on the white paper uh, that's free to download and consume. Um, and we were very happy with this uh, performance and we, but we're obviously always striving for more and doing more in the background um, and continually trying to improve and enhance Jace. Can you compare it to ChatGPT, for example? ChatGPT is 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 a much larger model. You know, this is uh, you know I think the latest version is like they so no one knows the actual size, but mm. you know people say that it's a 1.8 trillion um, parameter model. So our 13 billion, even though it sounds really big, is yeah. um, is relatively small. Yeah. So it's it's hard to compare because it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison. Mm. They've also done a lot of you know. It's been years also of years, research. Years of research, and, years of work, and yeah. they've obviously commercialized it. We're at the more early stages, yeah. um, but we are very confident that in our next release, we'll have um, something that's more commercially applicable. And we, we hope to 
engage the community with this. And this is why we released the model is to kind of uh, to generate that interest, to give some awareness uh, that we are doing this and also to get to energize the community around this. Um, and we've had amazing feedback from across the community on this so far. We're very thankful for everybody who's contributed and, and, and talked to us about it and explained what they're doing with it. I'd like to know more about that. But before, yeah. uh, there's also been lots of criticism around uh, the energy required uh, during yeah. training and operation. So um, is there a, a plans from G42 or Core 42 to minimize environmental impact on uh, objects? Absolutely. Um, so let me just kind of take a step back and explain how the data that was used in, in JACE, um, obviously Arabic is a major component of the data, mm -hmm. but we also, because we, you know, only 1% of Arabic is online and that was our primary source of, of data. We had to infuse English um, to make up the size of the model. So we had to bring in some English and to essentially to, to enable the Arabic to learn from the English. Um, and then we also use some level of computer code uh, called Python code that was used to bring in some level of reasoning. So what does this mean for energy? Well, we actually didn't use as much English as other models in this space, which mm. essentially meant lower energy consumption. And on top of that, Cerebrus itself, its architecture lends itself to having a lower energy consumption because of the size of its chips. Um, so overall, we got to a point where we had a lot lower energy consumption. I mean, one tenth, we, we predict, uh, of the energy that would have been used to train a model of a similar uh, Would you size. be able to continue in that direction? Because Absolutely. that will have we're, a great yeah. impact. We, okay. we, yeah, we're going to continue in this in the same direction. We, we want to get to a more sustainable space. Mm. You know, generative AI is going to continue, right? Where it's going to continue and continue and continue. We see, you know, the the... You know, the market really confirms this through the share price of NVIDIA, for example. But at the same time, we, we see that this needs to maintain, uh, this cadence needs to be maintained, but also in a sustainable way. And that's the direction we're going in is And you're also being selective with the data. You're not just putting everything in there. You're just yeah. doing the right so we're, with we're, your team, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think one thing that we're doing is, you know, instead of just taking all of the internet and, and, and training on this, we're being very selective about what we train on. Um, so data quality is such a huge issue that I think is maybe under discussed or underserved in this situation. And this is where we really double down on is making sure that we have the right data um, of the highest quality to put into our models. So that means that we, you know, for the for comparable models, we use a lot less data to get to the same level of performance on our supercomputer. So this is a kind of a key outcome of, of Jay so far. And now I'd like to hear from you at the community feedback. Uh, like what was the most surprising, let's say, feedback, innovative ways you've seen in Jay's be being used? Um, I mean, it's it's already days, but what we've seen is some you know people that we you know we we kind of knew were strong in the technical space, but you know we, we had a great conversation with the Abu Dhabi police. They had downloaded JACE. They had set it all up on their premises, and they were running wow, it. They that's gave very us, impressive. Yeah, we were we were really impressed with what they'd achieved, mm. and then they were using it and giving us really strong technical feedback on you know download procedures and whatnot, technical details, but also in terms of use cases because they uh, they came up with some really interesting use cases in terms of how they would use JACE. Um, so you know this is from translation to you know summarization of a report because uh, they work primarily in Arabic. So I think that was super interesting and, and really compelling uh, to see people do this. 
in the community. The other people are, I mean, we got really great feedback from Adnoc as well. Mm -hmm. um, so as a team, they came back to us and gave us some feedback again on, on kind of download procedure and, and setup procedure that, you know, they've maybe found a bit tricky to follow at the beginning. So we fixed all that and then also gave us some really good use cases of, you know, of how they can use JSON in, in terms of, again, you know, summarization was a key factor um, and then local information around, um, around UAE um, that, that other models just don't have uh, because, you know, this is our primary uh, training area. So we've really trained on those and we've, we've got really interesting, um, interesting feedback from, you know, across the community. They're, they're just two examples, but, you know, the, have, have there been also that from private sectors? I would have this is amazing and ad hoc, but yeah. private sectors, were there any? Well, actually, your own area of, of you know, PR and marketing, I think, is um, we've had extremely strong feedback from that group as well. We've, we've talked to a, a lot of people in the marketing space um, and we see huge potential for Jason in that space, mm. um, generating kind of Arabic content for specific brands, for example, and making it brand specific, as well as being dialectical. We... we I certainly never understood that um, that you know when when a marketing company comes to try and release a new product, for example, they have to translate it into every specific dialect of Arabic to go to yeah. each market, um, and that seems to be a, a time-consuming process. And and I think that being able to generate this uh, very quickly would would dramatically improve um, their time to market. And obviously, well, speed when I go is to key. other models, actually, and I try to have the because I'm Lebanese and I have the, the casual Lebanese, it gives yeah. me every other dialect, but not the Lebanese one. And it's very frustrating. So it's like fighting with the model. <laughs> yeah, and I hear you. Yeah. Right? and this is what we 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 we. I we, can't wait to use Jays for that too. Well, we yeah. we start when we started off. We we I guess we saw that dialect was something we could do, so we can ask questions in in Amirati dialect and Egyptian dialect, etc. And, and it responds currently in MSA, but I think what we want to go, now that we've had that feedback that mm. dialect is so important, we've really doubled down on that now in terms of, uh, you know, dialectal response. Um, so I hear from you the industry is the, is the government sectors um, and uh, the private sectors, but what would you say that you've already seen, seen this technology making a difference? Like in the present, which is the educational sector, is it the healthcare sector, which, which industries? I think the education sector has been a big adopter of this, mainly because mm -hmm. kids want to get their homework done faster. Mm -hmm. um, so I've certainly seen this in my own kids. Um, so how, how are you handling that? How are you controlling it? It's a tough thing as a parent, yeah. because on one hand, you know, they, you know, you can say that it's generating great ideas for them to then continue and do their homework. But at the same time, uh, I'm, it's, it's a challenge as a parent because they're like, well, dad, you, you're building this kind of technology. So why are you, you know, stopping us using it? And I'm like, well, we yeah. just need to regulate that, you know, that usage and make sure it's appropriate mm. for what you're trying to do. So it is a, it's a challenge as a parent, but we're also, you know, we're, we're working with uh, various um, commercial companies in this space to understand the, the educational requirements um, and how to engage the, you know, and again, in an ethical way that does right by the teacher, the school, the government regulator, and also the student. Right. So do you believe in generative AI? It could also help uh, to reach like remote areas when it comes to educational sectors, to um, doctors medical. and the medical sector. Yeah, like how do you see that making a huge difference now? Like um, absolutely, as, so sooner than later. As a as a person who comes from a very remote place in Ireland, um, and and you know, and, and has been to a lot of remote areas um, for various jobs, I think that having that medical presence that is not a person, but you can just interact with a a medical expert through a, a model. Uh, and we've we've done some work on this already within um, G42. 
mm. and specifically M42 are, are working on this and we're working with them on this. But being able to train a doctor to, you know, you can speak to, you can chat with and you understand um, is enables people to live in different places, right? That are very remote and still get that same standard of care that they would get as they were living next to a hospital. So I think that's super interesting for people who live in remote areas and maybe it encourages people to like move out of cities a bit more. And we saw in the pandemic that people had moved out of cities and I think that was a really positive move, you know, to kind of diversify. But I think um, this kind of technology enables uh, maybe new modes of doing things, new new models of living. So I certainly think it's a very interesting area. It is. I, I can't wait to see it happening and mm -hmm. making a huge difference in these remote areas for so many people. And maybe also having um, a, a new husband, new wives possible also. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. And now uh, moving on on a serious note, um, uh, what sort of awareness initiatives can we utilize to help the public better to understand generative AI technology and trust it and utilize it in the right way? That's a, another great question. Um, so I think a lot of it's education, right? Mm. It starts off with education. We all think that we know technology really well, but you know, I think at, at our age level, right, where you, we came from the kind of uh, the search space. So we, we tend to use, and I, I mean, you know, everyone around me seems to use, who's not really familiar with the technology, kind of use it as a search engine. Mm. And it's not a search engine, right? Because it looks like a search engine. It does right? make mistakes sometimes. So it's I've that hallucination there. side yeah. of it. it. You know, it does try and give you a response, but there's hallucination as an issue. So I think some part of this is kind of educating and educating people and getting them to understand the technology better. I think younger people uh, tend to embrace the technology faster. Mm. Again, when schoolwork, when your homework is on the line and you want to generate something, it's uh, you know I think they embrace it a lot faster than us. Um, and I think so. I think that's one part of it. But I think the other part of it then is the. Um, is, but this is a very dangerous part, the hallucination, and when people like generate content without checking, plus checking from the yeah. right sources, and then delivering the information. Absolutely, it could have a very negative impact. So this education aspect of it, and people training themselves well, not to become lazy through is quite our, important. Well, actually, through our kind of conversations around Jace, a lot of um, people, well, not a lot, but here and there, people came back to us with, uh, you know, even locally. I mean, you, you hear things on the news about lawyers kind of generating stuff and getting it wrong in court. But oh, wow. locally that here, extent. yeah, so like lawyers kind of, you know, generate something for a case, yeah, uh, which is actually incorrect. But I think even locally, we've seen, we've heard of um, different instances of people generating things for their work. Uh, and it being incorrect and then being part of a commercial deal and then that actually leading to a person getting you know fired because they've generated stuff without checking it so i think this is um you know it's certainly worrying right from uh you know i think for for everybody right that people are taking these shortcuts without really checking so yeah. i think that's uh you know the technology is new right everyone's trying to figure out how to use it it's um no you know and, and people are maybe assuming that it just does everything correctly so even you know, with, with all these billions of parameters and all of this, you know, years of work and all this data that OpenAI has done, it still makes mistakes, right? We have so, to have an institute only for generative AI, educating people on how to use it, be it in all kinds of sectors, right? I'm just but, imagining, yeah, but I, I want to get hired. Maybe I can teach people all that, yeah. You, we can certainly <laughs> take your application and uh, this, could, this could be your interview, yeah? So, right. uh, so I'll interview and hear you now. That, uh, just now, yeah. Okay. So this is, um, no, but I think, um, I think across the board, we will have to educate people. I think we also need to bring people more into this economy because we're, you know, we have another initiative which will be released in the next couple of uh, 
months, I guess, in terms of uh, bringing more people into this kind of generative AI economy. Mm. We want to really inspire and encourage people to come into this economy and, and really kind of retrain, repurpose. Um, and this is something that I think everyone will need to do. It's not going to be a, oh, I'd like to do it. I think people will it's really a need to do, yeah, yeah to upskill uh, and, and get into this. You know, we definitely see some level of disruption um, coming from this technology. Like any new technology, mm. there'll be some level of disruption. It's an opportunity to to kind of, you know, forge new new ideas, new careers, new business models. So I think it's a, it's a massive opportunity uh, for anybody, right? Like, you know. It's an opportunity and it's also, you gotta take part of it. Otherwise you won't have a safe place in, yeah. in the work environment or any other places because it's going to make a huge impact and create new jobs and change the jobs, I yeah. would say. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Andrew, in conclusion, what would you say are the areas we should, should we research and invest um, into helping generative AI grow in the next few years? Well, I think um, there's going to be a lot of work in terms of new research into the area. Um, obviously, the, 